Welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie. And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards. As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of the Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? Then join us in the Glittering Bell Jar. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast uh, where we do things a little bit differently and we read the books backwards. We are on season two, so we are reading The Half-Blood Prince since it is the second to last book. It is our favorite book, so this season in particular has been pretty fun for both of us. Speaking of, I have my amazing co-host here, Valerie. How are you? I'm good. Do you want to know why I'm good? Yeah! Because we got another review. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I was, I was on our profile and trying to find it. And I want to thank Cindy Smith 392017, which is probably 392017 now that I read it out. But Cindy Smith, thank you for leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you are listening and you have not done that and you want to make me really happy at the beginning of a future episode, now you know what to do. Uh, yeah. How are you? <laughs> Wow, well, I'm even better now. That is super exciting. <laughs> we love ratings and reviews. I'm good. I went paddleboarding yesterday, so that was super fun. Quite the adventure. Sean ended up having to come and rescue me and my friend, but regardless, it was a great day and a great story. So <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't do paddleboarding. It's not uh, <laughs> fair. It's, not, it's just not my sport. I, I like look at it and I'm like, first of all, I don't want to stand up on it. Even if I could, which I have never tried. <laughs> and I don't want to fall off of it. And I don't want to stand that long. And I don't want to kneel either. I don't like kneeling. I'm like, I'm a sitter or a walker. And that's it. Those are my two modes of being. <laughs> I, can, I run too, I guess. So I, I sit most of the time when I'm doing it. It's just nice to relax. Now, if I really need to get somewhere, I'll get on my knees or I'll mm. stand up. But otherwise, I just kind of chill on it. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad Sean was there to rescue yeah. you. <laughs> Otherwise, we would not be recording. Thank you. That would be the worst possible way, actually, <laughs> to end our podcast. <laughs> 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 Hello, everyone. I'm really sorry to report. Uh, yeah, no, uh, please, yeah. Thank, thank Sean for me. That's what I'll say. Okay. Well, to be clear, if something unformidable happens to me, I do expect you to continue on, you know, either by yourself or... You know, I don't know how you could possibly find a better co-host, but you know, if you have to have someone else, I would not haunt you for it. I would, I would, okay, I would love thank it. You. Well, if you mm -hmm. haunt me, that would make a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, moving on from that, because that's not what's going to happen. We are, as Bree said, reading the Harry Potter series backwards, reading Half-Blood Prince backwards. And in this episode, which is episode 22, we are reading chapter nine, mm -hmm. the Half-Blood Prince. So... If you have either, okay, a couple a couple notes because I've been having conversations on Instagram. If you've never read Harry Potter, please stop listening because we are the most spoilery spoiler podcast of all time, which I did not think we needed to mention. But now that I think about it, I'm like, we didn't say, we didn't say it. We should probably update our podcast description. Well, we'll do that. Uh, but if you haven't read us, stop listening. Come back once you've read the book. If you are listening for the first time, I recommend you go back and start at the beginning of season two, if not season one, if you want to join us, if you like what you've heard so far, even though we haven't talked about Harry Potter 
at all. That is the best way to understand what's going on because we do regularly reference previous episodes, which is to say chapters forward in the book from where we are. And it can get really confusing. It's a time travel paradox kind of thing. So if you're brand new, go back to the start of the season, start there at least. And uh, you'll catch up to us pretty quickly because we do 15 to 20 minute episodes and they go fast and they're fun. And especially if you listen at one and a half speed, like we are, you get through it quickly. With that, uh, we probably should just jump right in. So Brie gives us a synopsis of the chapter. I read the last sentence, which is how we begin at the end. And then we will discuss. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Chapter nine, The Half-Blood Prince. It's the first day of school at Hogwarts and McGonagall is finalizing the students' class schedules. Harry and Ron both take charms, defense against the dark arts, herbology, transfiguration, and because Professor Slughorn is now the potions professor, they both get to take the potions class despite only receiving an exceeds expectations on their owls. During potions class, Harry and Ron both have to use old books from the cupboard as they had not planned to take the class and therefore did not have their own brand new books. During their first lesson, Harry notices scribbles all along the book's instructions, frankly, to his annoyance. However, once he begins to use the scribbles as instructions, his potion does better than everyone else's, including Hermione's, causing him to win a bottle of liquid luck from Slughorn. Perfect. And normally I end up reading a lot of context in the last sentence. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense without it, but this time we just get the final sentence, which reads, this book is property of the half blood prince yeah so we are nine chapters in and we're finally meeting the half-blood prince yeah pretty exciting actually (laughs) it is it is and i actually had to go back and read chapter 10 which was last episode i went back to the beginning of that chapter because i thought it was interesting that there wasn't a whole lot of hubbub about like who is the half-blood prince like they there's sort of a very brief discussion of it and hermione keeps bringing it up because she's trying to solve the mystery but harry just doesn't seem to really care he's like whoever it is they know what they're doing i'm getting good marks and potions i'm winning slughorn favor and all that is obviously important in the rest of the book but harry just like okay that's whose it is no big deal never mind the fact the last time he found a mysterious book it said it was tom marvolo riddle who turned out to be super important to know who it was <laughs> yeah i mean that's a really good point i think that Maybe he just feels like, for one, it's helping him out. So he doesn't really want to dig any further and get himself, like, get the book taken away. And for two, it seems kind of harmless. Like, it's just a textbook. And some student who was really smart wrote in the lines of it. And that's kind of all there is to it. Like, I like his ability to, I guess, be positive. (laughs) Just be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, all these bad things happen to him. And there's this book that's really smart and, like, helping him out. He should be maybe a little leery. He's like, nah, it's fine, y'all. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and in this chapter, speaking of being leery of it, Ginny, right at the end of the Mm -hmm. chapter, is like, wait, you're taking instructions from a book? And I really appreciated her character continuity of, like, she being the one that calls Harry out on that concept of taking instructions from a book who you don't know it belonged to. I thought that was very good consistency in the universe that she is very concerned on his behalf. Yeah. Well, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, she did, you know fall for a book and then you know a lot Mm -hmm. of bad things followed so that does make sense Mm -hmm. well there are lots of authors who would not (laughs) address it i don't know like would move on as though it was somehow a chapter of the past that had been resolved and nobody remembered uh yeah no i I really like that yeah that was my one of my notes in this chapter did you have anything you wanted to start with uh sure and it's something a little more light um (laughs) 
I went on some weird tangents on this episode. So uh, I found, so the first thing Hermione does during this chapter is um, she and Ron are prefects, which this is the first chapter we really, I feel like we really even pay attention to that. Well, it's certainly the first chapter in the direction we're going. <laughs> it's not really, it's not really relevant in the entire rest of the book after yeah. this, but in future episodes, we will certainly address it. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's becoming more and more relevant. Uh, but yeah. she took a fanged frisbee from a student. And I'm like, a fanged frisbee? Okay, that's kind of cool. So I had to Google it, obviously. Because uh, I'm like, okay, a fanged frisbee. So <laughs> apparently it started with built-in booms, somebody else who created it. And it's, the tagline is, perhaps I can interest you in a fanged frisbee. Aerodynamic scales on the alligator top and serrated edges, perfect for slicing. This is a game we're playing. It is a it's a frisbee that you literally has serrated teeth on the bottom. The most important question is not why do you throw it, but how do you throw it? Because it's got teeth and fangs. Uh, yeah, it's actually I believe a banned item from the very beginning of mm -hmm. the series. Like it's mentioned in Sorcerer's Stone and has never come up, and so it was probably another one of those good continuity things. Like. Well, they're in their sixth year. I should probably mention one of the items I said was banned in the past. Yeah, yeah. So apparently they also sold it uh, at the Weezy's Wizard Weezes, of course. And then, um, yeah, it was it was banned that year. So, and they do sell it apparently at the Wizarding World. So, oh, huh. I've never seen yeah, it there. I'm yeah. way overdue for a trip. I've been starting to, to feel it. <laughs> and my husband is like, no more trips. <laughs> you have so many trips this year. And I just this today, we were walking to the grocery store and I was like, oh, I feel like 2023 is wide open right now. You know where it's great to go in the middle of winter in Cleveland? Florida. So I'm just saying. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> um, actually, it's funny you started with that. And first of all, thank you for doing the additional research okay. because now when I go to the Wizarding World, I'll look for it. But I had a note right in that mm -hmm. section too, which is that that's the first time that Lavender laughs unreasonably loudly at a stupid joke, stupid not even a joke that Ron has made, which shows it starts in early September that Lavender is interested in mm -hmm. Ron and it takes them until like November to get together. Mm -hmm. I think it, I just, I think of the timeline, I think it's so funny how long it takes them to get together and Ron is like kind of dense about it. Like I think he knows something's going on, but he doesn't talk to Harry about it. He doesn't take any action on it. He just like feels good about himself and then moves on. <laughs> I think he's pretty shy. I think despite like him making jokes about that kind of thing. And even the beginning of this chapter, a bunch of fourth years start giggling when they walk through the Gryffindor common room and he likes that and he makes a joke about that. But I actually think he's quite shy and he does have eyes for Hermione and maybe is hoping that that will turn into something or maybe she'll make a move first. And I think the only reason he got with Lavender is because she ran up and kissed him. Well, that's, yeah, I guess we don't know what happens in the book, but yeah, that's what happens in the movie. Because in the... No, I thought even in the book it mentioned... No, Harry just comes back into the common room and sees, with Hermione, and sees Ron and Lavender entwined oh. in the chair. And Ginny says, what a hypocrite, or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, then I am thinking of the movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. In enough. the movie, Lavender goes for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're almost there. That's what's crazy. So we're on episode 22 of 30. And then we're going to be doing our film discussion, which I will point out was the most popular yeah. episode of other than our first ever episode. It was the most popular episode of, of season one. So apparently I'll like the film discussions. Uh, the next note that I have is about their course schedules. And when Professor McGonagall is talking to Neville mm -hmm. about his courses and he's 
telling her that his grandmother doesn't think charms is a good option for classes. It's not, it's not a serious, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a serious magic. It's yeah. a soft option. And I love Professor McGonagall's yeah. response. Take charms and I shall drop Augusta a line reminding her that just because she failed her charms, OWL, the subject is not necessarily worthless. And what I love about that is it's the realization that McGonagall is older than Neville's grandmother. Dang, that's so true. She's at least of the same age. She's at least yeah. of the same age. Like maybe they went to school together. I guess she doesn't have to be older. She remembers Augusta. She knows her personally. She calls her by her first name. So let's say, I'm going to assume she's not older, but she's at least Augusta Longbottom's yeah. age to have to know that she failed her charms OWL. I just love that, that idea that sort of like contextualizes Minerva McGonagall in the larger timeline. Because last season we talked about how old Dumbledore was and how old Matilda Bagshot was and had to do a bit of research on that. Here's a little data point about Professor McGonagall. So do you think that they were friends? So was, do we know Neville's grandmother? I'm sure we know, but I don't remember. What house was she in? Was she also in Gryffindor? I, I don't think we know that. Mm. So I wonder if her and Minerva were friends or maybe frenemies or like, and she's like, it's a little bitter and she's like, mm-hmm, a little snot. Great question. I mean, I can imagine that McGonagall, Minerva was the Hermione of her year. And I've just pulled up the Harry Potter wiki to see if it says what house she's in. And I am not seeing it. Mm, so we don't know what house she was okay. in. But I would, I, you know, if Augusta was also studiously minded in any way, though she did fail in OWL, so maybe she wasn't. I feel like they may have had a little tension for, uh, or maybe not, maybe they were just friends. And, you know, uh, McGonagall was the Hermione of the group and uh, Augusta was the uh, Ron and Harry who failed something else. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, no, we we love McGonagall. I did love that moment. And I think because the chapters and the books are only going to get lighter, we're going to get to see a little bit more of that McGonagall um motherliness Mm -hmm. where she's starting to like really like love her students and fall in love with them and do little things like that for them Mm -hmm. which I love seeing yeah it has to be interesting to be a teacher at a boarding school like this where your children arrive their first year and they're very young and they need a lot more like parenting basically and then as they get older you have to let them have their independence but you still would defend them when they need it like McGonagall steps in front of Harry to defend him from Snape you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I like seeing that it's nice but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're there all year. So, of course, she's going to feel like their parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has a little bit, we've talked about it, a sort of an obligation to be their parent if they yeah. need it. You know, you can't just let kids run wild. <laughs> Although it seems like they do. Especially magic ones. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else do you have for this chapter? Sure. Well, I picked up on, so they are talking about care of magical creatures and how none of them are going to take his class, um, Hagrid's class, to be clear. And they don't think anyone even in their year is going to be taking Hagrid's class. And although I couldn't find anything concrete on it, I don't think that's true. Luna would have taken that class. And Luna's, Luna's in Ginny's year. Oh, that's why. Okay. Why? Do, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I actually thought about Googling that and I was like, no, they're the same age, but okay. Yeah, she's she's Jenny's year. But I was thinking about that when they were talking about not being in Hagrid's class of how many students end up in each class because they all have to take something, right? Like there has to be a minimum number of classes they take, but if you do really poorly, you must get held back or something, right? We know Crabbe and Goyle failed something and they have to do like, they have to do a year over or something like that. But what classes is everyone taking? So we know Hermione takes a whole bunch of classes, right? She takes... Charms, DADA, Transfiguration, Herbology, Arithmancy, Ancient Rooms, and Potions. 
So that's a lot of the main ones, plus a couple of the extras she picked up in third year. We would assume most people are taking Defense Against the Dark Arts. Many are probably taking Transfiguration and Herbology. Most are probably taking Charms. But not everyone's in potions. So we'll discuss it in a future chapter or future episode that hardly anyone takes potions. It's kind of interesting to me that we don't really know how many classes they have to take or how many students are in each class to even have it. Like if one student wanted to take care of magical creatures, would Hagrid be teaching it? Because he thinks he's teaching it. He, he has a class time, so someone has to be taking it. But they assume nobody is. Well, and maybe they just combine the students. You know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. there's not just like for six years. Maybe there's no six years in there, but there are fifth years and fourth years and they just combine them or... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. depending, he still has them, just maybe not as many because from the way I understood it is they, once you like, if you get your newt or whatever, like you go for your owls to get your, your newts, right? Isn't that what it's called? Your newts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a credit. And so you can still probably graduate from Hogwarts without any newts, but if you have no newts, then you can't be proficient in something. You can't, you, you can, but you would have to work much harder. Mm-hmm. You can. Yes. So So that's actually an equivalent from the British education system, which is why it doesn't really make sense to American readers. So they have two levels of tests that they do in their secondary education, basically. Uh, So like high school-ish level. They do A-levels, and then you can stop after A-levels. And A-levels are enough that you can get jobs and so on, but they're obviously less, like lower level jobs. And then there's the GCSE, I think is the acronym. It's it's another higher level. So basically your A-levels are your OWLs and your GCSEs are your NEWTs. And so that's why it... You don't have to go for your GCSEs if I'm getting the acronym right, and I apologize if I'm not. You don't have to do that. But if you get those tests, if you pass those, you you qualify for graduate school or different tiers of jobs that you can't get into if you don't have that level of testing accomplished. Okay, cool. Well, that makes sense. So imagine that's how it works here. Yeah. So you, so like, I mean, Fred and George are entrepreneurs. So like many entrepreneurs, you don't need it. You don't need any, you don't even need to graduate. Uh, but I would imagine if you want to work for the ministry, you have to have certain levels, either, either OWL level or NEWT level to get into certain jobs. Right. Which they didn't graduate. They just left. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine there were some exceptions made for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, no, I meant Fred and George. Oh yeah. But also yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Fred and George didn't care. And I love, I can't wait till we get to that chapter when we start doing Order of the mm-hmm. Phoenix because it's one of the best, but Fred and George obviously didn't care at all because they knew they weren't going to need any tests, but they had done OWLs, but they didn't even need those. Yeah. So uh, I have a couple small little things left. Um, we are going on a big episode, but I'll try to make it quick. Um, I found it interesting. Page 180, Hermione uh, actually compares Harry to Snape. So we are not the only ones who are noticing how much Harry is like Snape. She even says, well, you're acting just like him. Or let's see, page 180. (laughs) Reminder to everyone listening, we are reading the original Marie Grand Prix version. So if you're reading on your own version, it might be a different page number. But it is in the middle of Half-Blood Prince, right before the letter from Dumbledore about his first lesson with Harry. Uh, And then Hermione says, well, I thought he sounded a bit like you. She's talking about Snape. Like me. Yes, when you were telling us what it's like to face Voldemort, you said it wasn't just memorizing a bunch of spells. You said it was just you and your brains and your guts. Well, wasn't that what Snape was saying? That it really comes down to being brave and quick thinking? Uh, To be clear, Harry is talking about how he can't believe that Dumbledore finally gave Snape the role of Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. Um, And because he's like, look how, listen to how he was talking about the dark arts. He acted like he was in love with it. And Hermione's like, I mean... You kind of did the same thing. <laughs> so I love that. Mm-hmm. I also love his his reaction. And this is one of my, like, to me, one of the most heartfelt lines probably in the whole series, which is 
Harry was so disarmed that she had thought his words as well worth memorizing as the standard book of spells that he did not argue. I know. Like, Hermione, Hermione pays so much attention to everyone. It's not just textbooks. You know, she she admires Harry and pays as much attention to him, which I really liked. Yeah, you know, um, I think they do that to each other, which is another note I had where mm-hmm. Ron is jealous again whenever uh, Hermione kind of beams in Professor Slughorn's class. And Slughorn's like, ah, because Hermione has obviously answered three or four questions in a row correctly. And he's like, you must be the witch that Harry was saying is his best friend. And she's like, you said that? You think I'm the best in the class? And Ron's like, obviously, I'd say that too. And she... <laughs> I would have said that too, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not beaming at me. You know? So yeah. they just yeah. obviously love yeah. each other. And like, I think there's some pretty heavy competition there, which, no offense, Ron, just isn't kind of there for Ron. So I think the other one just finds it um, quite nice. It's a big compliment when the other one does pay attention or give them a compliment to someone else. Yeah, and that whereas the reader, to me, makes it very clear that Hermione and Harry were never interested in each other romantically because it doesn't ever carry mm-hmm. that tone. That I could see how Ron being, I think, quite sensitive to that because he does feel left out of dating. I mean, we've covered that in a previous episode when he and Ginny get into it. I could see him being really sensitive to Harry and Hermione's relationship, but as a reader, it's like, it's clearly, they clearly just respect each other. And that is a, such an exciting, nice thing to see in a platonic relationship between two people of the opposite gender. Agreed. I have one more note. It's it's kind of a connector note. Um, I wanted to talk about really briefly, or maybe there's nothing to say other than how interesting it is, who Dumbledore picks to deliver the messages about his lessons. Mm, okay. So he picks in in order, now that we've seen all four, there's four students, okay? So we're going to go in order that it happens in the book. He picks Jack Sloper, a beater from last year's team, Demelza Robbins, a chaser from this year's team, for Quidditch, sorry, Ginny, and Luna. And interestingly, I think he goes in the order, in some ways, the order of who is furthest from Harry to who's closest to Harry. Okay. And how odd would it be to be one of these students <laughs> who gets this note from Dumbledore being like, deliver this to Harry Potter? And it's the headmaster, and you're like, okay. Like, even Ginny and Luna, who know Harry well, have to be like, this is so weird. Like, what? Anyway, I just thought it was really interesting. I've been keeping track of that mm-hmm. the whole time we've been reading, waiting to see who the final one was. And I was like, it's this weird thing where he gets, the closer that Dumbledore and Harry get, the closer the, the relationship between each of the messengers is to Harry. Okay. Just an observation. Yeah, so maybe he, okay, I like that. So he's like, okay, uh, I know who I can give the note to now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And he puts Luna last. It's, Luna is the last messenger, not not Ginny, which is just kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. That's where my theory may fall apart, but. Yeah. Cool. I dig that. Yep. Good catch. Yeah. Well, that's the last thing I had in this chapter. Do you have anything else? Uh, No. That was it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening and hanging out with us. Uh, we always appreciate you being here with us. If you enjoyed this, if you would, like we said, we love ratings and reviews you can head to your podcast player of choice and give us if you don't want to write anything you can just put the stars in there what you feel we have one through five hopefully five but you know what we enjoy any of them and if you really want to say give some feedback positive or negative go ahead and throw that in there we appreciate it uh otherwise you are welcome to come join us on social media instagram is our big one right now bell jar pod we are also on tiktok and twitter mostly been taking a break from that focusing on instagram because honestly valerie is crushing the instagram like i've thrown some reels in there but she is uh coming up with a lot of them so head over there give us a share give us a like give a comment let valerie know how much you love her reels so that she'll just keep making them because she seems addicted to it and i'm here for it (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> I two things that cause that. One, I don't care about TikTok or Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's like single-minded. And two, I do all the YouTube editing. So if you're watching us on YouTube and it's terrible because I don't, we don't edit it as tightly on YouTube as we do for the audio version. Uh, so I hear all of every podcast where Bree and I alternate who's editing the audio version. So uh, I usually catch clips to put into reels. I'll be like, Brie, I've got all the things covered for the next five episodes. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> I've already edited them all for YouTube at that point. Um, but yeah, please come join us. Please come. Okay, I'm going to like challenge if you're listening. Please come tell me whether you prefer Johnny Depp or Mads Mikkelsen as the character Ooh. of Grindelwald. Because I've been having some discussions with people about that. And I seem to be in the minority in that I prefer Mads Mikkelsen. Everybody's pro Johnny Depp. And I'm like, every time I see Johnny Depp on screen, he's Johnny Depp. He's never the Mm -hmm. character anymore. And I I struggle to watch him as an actor. And I'm a movie nerd because all I see is Johnny Depp playing Johnny Depp. He's got different, he's got a different accent or whatever. But anyway, come talk to me about it on Instagram. That's where I am. Love that. (laughs) Bree's there too. If you want to talk to her, you can message her anything else you want to talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Very cool. You can also email us podcast at followthebutterflies.com. Followthebutterflies.com is an incredible Harry Potter website from Valerie herself, all things Harry Potter, from gifts to treacle tarts to Universal Studios to going to London and finding all the amazing Harry Potter spots. It is there. It is amazing. Go check it out. Give it a give it a look. Last but not least, we would love if you shared this podcast with someone that you know who gets seasick. Ooh, like me. Me. That's part of why I don't paddleboard, to mm. be honest. How do you paddleboard if you get seasick? I mean, it's not like I'm like going on high waves or anything. I feel like the smaller the craft, the more seasick I get. And that's the smallest craft possible other than a kickboard. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't make me seasick at all. But I also, yeah, I love going out to sea. But the way, like whenever you have to go get there, I'm like, well, I'm going to be miserable by the time we get there. So I often don't do stuff like that because mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Well, if you are listening and either <laughs> you feel that way or you know someone else who feels that way, just grab the share link, send it over to them. If it's easier, just send them the whole podcast page. It'd be like, this is something you like because they both get seasick like you do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Harry Potter nerds, honestly, not shocking. <laughs> Bunch of nevels. Mm. Anyways, well, uh, we will see you next time. See you in the next episode. Glittering Bell Jar is a Harry Potter podcast produced by the Calibro Group in partnership with Wild Goose Creatives. It is an unofficial fan project that is not authorized, approved, licensed, or endorsed by J.K. Rowling, her publishers, or Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Our theme music is Carnival of the Animals R125, Aquarium by Moments, licensed via Soundstripe. You can discover even more magic on followthebutterflies.com.